Hello, friends, and welcome to the with us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-host Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, Patron Jay brings us a sequel, or should I say squeakquel, to one of our favorites. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's terrible, and I love it. Terrible. Anyway, <laughs> Patron Jay came to us with a premise, and he said. I want you to take one of the previous settings that you have done and launch it a thousand years into the future. When pressed, he wanted us to specifically focus on the land of a thousand flavors. And so today we're going to go ahead and start our foray into Cyber Monk 2077 because goddamn, that's exciting. And I'm totally down to do cyberpunk chipmunks. Get it? Cyber Monk. 2077. Anyway, before we get into the episode, remember that if you want to suggest a prompt for us to do, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click on the button and submit a prompt that way. You can also email us the old-fashioned way over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter over at Let's World Build. You can join our Discord with a link in the description. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon. On to the episode. So we're taking The Land of a Thousand Flavors, which I would strongly recommend if you haven't listened to it, you're going to be real lost because it's all about magical red wall animals and, and food and stuff. It's great. It's really fun. But And I'm actually going to get us started today, much like last time, because I feel like this is kind of, it's partially my baby. I love this setting a lot. And the first tenet that I want to introduce is going to be, I want to make sure that we keep a lighter tone and keep that same lighter tone that we did with the original premise. I don't want to go super grimdark with it. And what I'm thinking of, if we're doing like a traditional cyberpunk, I want it to be right before the Zaibatsus and mega corporations have taken complete control. So there's still a possibility <laughs> of change that is to occur. So on the teetering edge, if we're going to be focusing on that cyberpunk aspect, but I don't know what the other tenets are going to be. So we not, might, might not even be in the cyberpunk realm to begin with. So I'm opening it up there. Who wants to kick us off? I incidentally wanted to put uh, the setting into space. Um, okay. And while I don't think nice. that precludes um, having a cyberpunk aesthetic or cyberpunk stylings, um, I was thinking, cause you, especially since you said keep it lighthearted, which I also had in mind, um, I was thinking kind of like Star Fox 64 oh, where man. you have, yeah. yeah, like anthropomorphic, um, or really just animal, um, spiders, star pilots, and it doesn't have to be star pilots, but I want mm -hmm. that kind of like, um, we're these paladins in space kind of feeling. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and to be fair, Star Fox also, the, the people or the, the. Pilots and Star Fox also have cybernetic implants. So that's already oh, halfway there to cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Most people don't realize that because it's their legs. Like they've amputated their legs to have robot legs. But yes, that's a oh, thing. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. It's, I think it's, legs. I, yeah, I think it's like a, it's like a G force thing or something like that. Like the, oh. the old, like Nintendo, like episode three of Nintendo powers, like they had to amputate their legs so they wouldn't pass out from all the G's that they pull in space. It's dark. It's yeah, that's very, it dark. is remarkably dark. We don't have to go that dark with it, but I'm saying that like, remember OG Nintendo, which is like 
nobody's going to read the lore and this doesn't fucking matter lol. So just like do whatever you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the yes. one thing I would add to that is um, part of maybe keeping the whimsy is perhaps with the whole um, in space uh, situation, we could take a spell jammer approach where mm. it's more driven by magic than it is by any kind of science. It's funny you funny you bring that up, Daniel. Oh, oh my, Courtney, go right ahead. Ah. Because one of my ideas was that um, magic has sort of been been taken or modified from the chonky beef cats, which mm. um, you had described as like Cheshire cats, and they're sort of like not not true gods, but have some sort of magical power about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so somehow the animals are able to capture that power and use it for advanced technology, such as space travel. Oh my. Well, that's perfect. Uh, <laughs> I know we're going hard and fast with these tenets already, but I need to immediately jump in here because mm-hmm. my second tenet is magic still exists, but is extremely rare, rarer than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, with magical ingredients being accessible only to the ultra rich Mega corporations, mm-hmm. Zaibatsus, etc., and the mercenary slash street chefs who are crazy enough to steal from them. Nice. So that's cool. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we still have food as magical ingredients and mm-hmm. like the yes. source of magic because I think that's one of the really charming things from the original series is like magic comes from food. That's still a thing that's still at play, but. I want to make sure that we're still having, there's like still that weird dichotomy. So it's like, now I'm thinking for regular food, you can still have food that tastes flavorful now, but it's all synthetic food. You know, it's like uh, Daniel's ideal of like a pill that you can taste and like eat and it gives you all your nutrition and stuff. But like magic, true magic still comes from like the cookery from fresh magical ingredients. And now that we're taking it into space, I can now see it as, well, I'm going planet hopping to make sure that I get the right ingredients for this spell yeah. or, you know, X mega corporation is, has a monopoly. And instead of a banana Republic, like an entire country, that's just one ingredient. You can now have an entire monoculture planets at the same mm-hmm. time. It's very, um, do, well, in some ways it's some, it's Dune adjacent in that, um, in that kind of interstellar universe, even though they deal with only one planet, at least in the first novel, um, there's a, a resource that's like food um, that can be ingested that's um, unique to the culture. Spice? Mm-hmm. Is it spice? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. of course, yeah. I, I, I might be a Dune novice, but I know that the spice must flow. Like, I'm very well aware <laughs> of that. Yeah. Yep. All right, so I'm two tenets down. We're like barely five minutes into this episode, I'm pretty sure. And it's yeah. like, oh, we're getting hot already. And I'm fucking excited. I'm ready to do this. All right. So who wants to hit us with the second tenant? Go ahead. So this one does um, bring food into play in a very direct way. Um, I was thinking with, you know, a cyberpunk or futuristic setting, you always got to have robots and androids. And um, what better way to bring that in than gingerbread men or gingerbread animals who are like oh. animated, partially sentient kind of helpers or... Um, things that can do basic tasks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, also I, like, I really... like edible go- golems or golems made of food. Yes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's also, oh, so, that so it's like, it's like robots. It's like having mechs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could have like marshmallow men or whatever you want. Really. Oh Just my God. Make it out of anything. 
Yeah, no, I'm totally down with this idea. <laughs> like you have, you have like mass. And then of course, rain is just like going to wipe them out. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's just true. Like, oh God, get them inside. There's a rainstorm <laughs> coming. <you know? laughs> Alternatively, they could just be really good on like desert planets or, you know, oh, like yeah, something yeah. like that. So that might be, that may be a really interesting premise. You know, like there's just an entire corporation whose sole function is we make uh ginger mech men and um, you know, I like, kind of go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's what this, cool. the setting is going to require at least someone working with the setting is um, you'd have to lean pretty heavily on extrapolating what alien food culture might be. That way you can have really strange, so you could take gingerbread men, right. And then decide, okay, Maybe the the world where these things are manufactured, there's a certain kind of food starting with the idea of gingerbread that is like, I don't know, some kind of fungal thing that makes a yeast-like substance. And so you, mm. you sci-fi it, basically. But you start with the kernel of like that idea of gingerbread and turn it into a different kind of alien food that's okay. gingerbread adjacent. You, you just mm-hmm. gave me a really brilliant idea, Daniel. Uh, s- stay with me here. So we all know that like, when you're, well, actually we don't, but for those of you who don't know, when you're making like sourdough bread, you need a starter that you keep and you make repeatedly, right? So like, there's always like kind of a leftover from batch to batch to batch to batch. And I was thinking that if we have a group of gingerbread men, isn't that just a hive mind? So couldn't you mm-hmm. have like a sourdough starter version of all of these like gingerbread men that are all linked to the same nerd <laughs> network via I bread? Love that. <laughs> like, what? Like, why not? Right? Like, we're doing the magic. I think that'd be really dope. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's and it's really scary that concept. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. For me, a starter it just seems like a scary thing. I don't know why it seems scary. Oh, yeah. It just seems frightening to me. Like, and so that, no, that makes it even worse. It's intimidating yeah. to bake with. To be fair, like, and also it's like you're always afraid that it's going to die because the cultures can die, and it's also it's just like. I I just rather make regular ass bread, um, which I do. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Starters are scary, and um, yeah. And um, yeah, in the in the vein of like the corporate power, a starter would make sense too. That they sort of own that that intellectual property or that even physical property in this way. Yes, yeah. And it's sort of theirs. It's patented and probably um, heavily protected from other corporations and also the the street chefs that you're talking about, Rob. Yeah, I mean, this is like Monsanto levels of genetic like seeds, right. you know, like yeah. except it's a sourdough starter, but for gingerbread men, you know. Uh, guys, again, we are like 10 minutes into the episode and I'm like, yes, all of this is just, yes, I'm ready. You know, like all of this is so exciting. Um, all right. So, Daniel, you're the last one with a tenant. Go ahead and hit us off with the tenant. What's it going to be? Um, if we recall, I believe one of the foods that the animals ate were insects. And they also used them as um, mounts and <laughs> pack animals. Right. Oh, and they milked them. That's right. That's where mm, my yes. That's where aphid milk came aphids. from. Yeah. yeah. Like that's right. the lore behind, you know, one of our Discord emotes. <laughs> Fucking blue aphid milk. <laughs> uh, that's because of my distaste for, um, I think it's the last Star year. Wars. But yeah. yes. Um, so, <laughs> I, my premise or attendant here is that 1,000 years in the future, the insects became sentient. And now <laughs> they are a faction unto themselves in space. Um, I'm not, I want to get away from evil hive mind Zerg, mm-hmm. right? 
So they may not be evil, but they're definitely not buddies, you know, and there's a lot of them and we can figure out how they're organized, but they're their own faction and they're not necessarily good or bad. Okay. I, I like where this is coming from. I, I have to ask a question and I, and I, it's a leading question, but how did they gain sentience? Because you don't go from being a Ooh. pack animal to a sentient being through evolution. Like that's something that's bred out of you. So there has to be some kind of an event that led to these insects being sentient. I'm assuming. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm totally open to whatever. Uh, okay. So is this going to, so I'm assuming it's magic because if, if you have a fantasy setting, if you have like magic yeah. involved and then you suddenly gain sentience, it's not like, oh, well, there's a scientific, no, like, no, you got magic. <laughs> Just use magic as the explanation. Oh, oh. Mm -hmm. what if we use, so Courtney, you talked about um, the Cheshire cat or the, mm -hmm. what do they call them? The cats? The chonky the beef chonky cats. Beef cats yes. yes. The beef cats. Yeah. yeah that they've been co-opted. <laughs> Perhaps the, mm -hmm. this whole um, sentience of the insect is somehow having to do with merging with a chunky cat, like an insect oh a chunky cat. <laughs> okay. Horrifying. Okay. That I agree. Exactly. That is quite horrifying. Um, so, so maybe this is like one of the chunky beef cats basically gave up its life to grant sentience to these insects. Maybe I mean, I, I'm picturing mm -hmm. like a praying mantis chunky cat. That's like, it's, it's oh actually God. an insect, but okay. it's the same as like a chunky cat. I said lighthearted Daniel, not Cronenberg nightmare fuel. Like they can be Christ. fun. <laughs> praying mantises can be cute. Oh, look at that adorable abomination against all that is good in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it can be like Splinter, you know, from, from Street, or uh, from, <laughs> Street from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the, at least, okay, you were, I thought you were going to say Street Sharks, which actually makes more sense than Street Fighter, Daniel, what? <laughs> I corrected myself. I know, but I'm like, I mean, street sharks is at least like anthropomorphic animals, not like. They're martial artists. Splinter's a martial artist. Yes. Fighters yeah, are. It, it ties in. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'll, I'll give you that, Daniel. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So I love, love, love this concept. Uh, I love the setting. I'm so excited to be back here again. Uh, I feel like we've got our tenets down. I feel like we've got a bunch of really fun spacefaring adventures ahead of us. I feel like we're going to have to ask some questions to kind of round out the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so before we build a world anchor, do we want to ask any questions? Um, yeah, I probably have plenty of questions. Okay, so... Yeah, so if we're, if we're taking, we're all agreed on this um, science fantasy magic um, elevated by science stylings, right? Science yeah, like, mm -hmm. so so my, I, I know that I said cyber monk indicating cyberpunk 2077, but it's, uh, to me, it's more like Shadowrun, like that's, because yeah. that's more science mm -hmm. fantasy type yeah. stuff. Um, also, one thing, th this is like kind of a half tenet that I had, but mm -hmm. I wanted all of the high tech to be like, like what the eighties thought would be high tech. So like there's no Bluetooth <laughs> yeah. or Wi-Fi, but like you physically have to jack into everything. Yeah. So yeah. Wires cool. and shit everywhere. Yeah. I, I just like that aesthetic. That's a pure well, aesthetic it, it aligns choice. with the feeling of food and materiality mm -hmm. that the setting already has. I think that you know, that's sense. actually a really good point. Yeah. yeah like, what if um, there are physical threads that are being yeah. held. Yeah. Like what if you had to concoct a certain recipe in but, order to be able to access a uh, certain like ports essentially. Oh, maybe the technology is organic then. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's, it's more along the lines of like, you know, like the sourdough bread starter gingerbread men that we were talking about. There's more mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. but it's like, wh- what can we kind of do with that? Cause I love that concept. I love the idea of like an organic technology, okay. but mm-hmm. I still want there to be Chrome involved. So like, how about, you know, how do we, how um, do we blend these options? You know, you take your sourdough starter bread thing, right? And it's not just for the golems. Every planet has one at its core. Mm. And the source of magic is this um, the starter source of, of life or whatever mm. it is. Mm. And the food and such grows from it. So each planet has one. Therefore, each planet's culture and food is different. And the golems are made from that. But the, the starter is the source. And so their technology is in, in part shaped from what they can get from that. So while okay. they may have... You know, metals are natural too. So while they may have started with that, they've encased it with other stuff to make their their materials and their ships and such. And so the ships are alive because they're fragments of that starter. Yeah, I, I like it, that idea a lot. That's very cool. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Also, uh, I do want to bring up the idea that there should be planets that are cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. that are like <laughs> where they're they're amalgamations of multiple technologies. So it's not oh, just yeah. one. Mm-hmm. monoculture monotechnology but it's like maybe they can know, seed planets with starters and you know you oh, can yeah, mix starters yeah. together when you terraform yeah. planets mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm cool with that it, because in my mind i'm thinking of neuromancer and i'm thinking of what like neo tokyo looks like in neuromancer mm-hmm. and i want something that's like that that is like weirdly bright like way too bright lots of cyber enhancements mm-hmm. and like just a conglo- like it's a polyglot of like all of these different cultures and concepts and ideas that are mixed together. You know, and we've got two levels, which is nice. We've got that level on the ground where you get to really see it up close and personal. Mm-hmm. And then when you're in space, you know, you kind of have a bigger picture of how all this connects. So you have like you have a cyberpunk theme embedded in a larger, almost like space opera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that that actually brings me to some of the uh, core themes that I wanted to explore because again, I love cyberpunk. I think it's a really great aesthetic and more than an aesthetic, I also like its politics as well, which is why I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, cyberpunk is often in like, a, it's told in like a dystopian future, right? Where the conglomerations, there, there's basically no governments anymore. It's all megacorps and zaibatsus that own everything. And that's why in my tenant, I really wanted to make sure that where we're on the edge of that, where it's 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 just a couple more years and this system is so crystallized and it is it's not going to be able to be fixed anymore. I want our uh, setting to be focused on that very crucial pivot point where, hey, these street chefs and the, you know, like the kind of punk counterculture hackers are the ones who are trying to take down these massive megacorps from crystallizing and holding their power. I want, that's what I really wanted to focus on because I think Mm -hmm. one, there's inherent drama and like adventuring plot hooks built into that. And two, it's just a fun concept to explore. Like everyone likes to play the hero taking down the big evil corporation. And that's what I want to explore here as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And we could even, if you wanted to give, I'm trying to start connecting these pieces together. So it's like, if there's this nauseant developing of, of you know, the dystopian future that we're used to in, in cyberpunk, like it's just pre that, you know, you could, you could slate, and this is, this might be stereotypical, but you could slate the insects as having some role in that. Like mm-hmm. maybe um, their achievement ascensions in some way contributes to going over the edge. 
and becoming a cyberpunk totalitarian state in the future. Interesting. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was thinking um, back to, I think in one of the the previous episodes, you guys had talked about an evil chonky beef cat. And I'm wondering if that's the one that's like at the core of this sort of corporate takeover. Ooh. That's not a bad idea. There, Did it lift, uplift the insects? I'm thinking that it either uplifted the insects or it's the only chonky beef cat left. That's what I was thinking too. Like for some reason, the other ones disappeared and nobody knows what happened to them. Yeah. I I, I think that's a really cool concept that we want to run with. Mm. Um, And that leaves a lot open for like plot hooks and games. If you wanted to have, you know, suddenly they come back and, or you need to like search mm -hmm. for them on other planets or um, there's a lot to do with that. I think. Mm. Well, and we need we need a little bit. Of, I wonder if we can add some motivation too here. Like, if we've got a beef cat, cats have vanished. Now, if the vanishing of the cats, I imagine something bad would happen to the ecosystem as a result. And again, I want to keep things happy, but I'm trying to get mm-hmm. a little bit of motivation. Like, perhaps um, with the vanishing of the cats, the remaining cat, um, for whatever reason, is trying to extract new life from the earth, and that's mm. where they begin to mine the starter itself to restore mm. the earth mm-hmm. and part, maybe part of the interstellar travel bit has to do with understanding or researching to that end. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I have a, I think I have a way to kind of make this work. So in the original series, we talked about how the sage that like the chunky beef cats would essentially wander the earth and then give up like a world seed, which would mm-hmm. then like basically bring a, a, a powerful magic yes. into the world. Right. And because we're now intergalactic and perhaps interuniversal, or I don't actually know if that's correct, because we're <laughs> intergalactic, right? Like, I think that the journey of the sage cats is probably no longer just the planet, but it's planet mm-hmm. to planet to planet. Yeah. yeah and so sense. they're still around, but finding them is so much harder now because it's not just a single planet that they're they're traveling to. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, a, and what that also does is that it stretches out the time that these world seeds are planted. And so mm-hmm. that's where you see the rise of these, these cities, these metropolises that happen because there's no world seed being planted. We need something as a replacement. And yeah. thus you get into the cyberpunk dystopic future. Like that's, I think is a good way that we can kind of make everything fit where there's still goodness in the world. It's just harder to find. And as a result, there has to be something to replace it. And mm. what we see is a shiny corporatocracy instead. Is the reach of the setting, um, since you raised that question, uh, interstellar, intergalactic, uh, intragalactic, uh, multiple universes? I would like to try and keep us to, like, we're, we're within a planetary system and maybe edging into two or three. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't okay. want to go super crazy out of the way yet with it yeah i think that would align with trying to keep the ground cyberpunk-esque because if you are able to travel distances greater than say a a solar system that implies really advanced technology so if Mm -hmm. if they're working between planets in their own system that makes more sense Mm -hmm. oh you know you know what i just realized we're we're forgetting that this could have a real uh cowboy bebop aesthetic to it as well um, you know, just like I, yeah. I'm getting, I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, why don't we have Cowboy Bebop like vibes to this thing? Because I feel like that's a missed opportunity that we can explore a little bit as well. I should probably watch that show at some point. <laughs> what are you saying, Daniel? No, as I was, I was going to say, like, I feel like um, 
the concept you have of the like the what you call them the, the the cooks that are trying to what was the name you gave them street chefs because the street mm-hmm. chefs yeah i feel yeah. like the street chefs seem to be where the narrative is right and the world building yes. the larger um not the world building but the larger um narrative strokes of the whole story is is like outside of the world is your seller but the, on the ground the characterization is probably going to be among those street chefs exactly mm-hmm. and, and i mean that's what we focus on in traditional cyberpunk lit is like the hackers and like the people who are like basically criminals in this corporatocracy world in this massive world of bureaucracy and like zaibatsus and stuff and i think exactly. that it translates well to cowboy bebop as well because they're bounty hunters. They're kind of in between like law and lawlessness. So I think that there could be parallels or even like a combining of those two concepts into this is the street chef. This is what they do. You know, like they could be a blending of those concepts together. Oh God, I am, I'm sweating. I am like, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm like very much sweating. Also, I had a random idea as we were talking about this. So in the original series, we talked about how like sugar and like confectionery uh, magic was kind of evil. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to, uh, we're going to morally gray it up just a little bit. I want a lot of the cybernetic enhancements to be made out of a hard shelled candy. So you can yeah. still have like <laughs> chrome and stuff like that, but it's actually just like hard sugar and, and whatnot. So it's like, Oh yeah, I've got like a metal arm, but it's not actually metal. It's just like a sugar arm, you know, like that kind of thing. I but like it's that. like it's yeah. it, for all intents and purposes, it is a sugar arm, you know, or, or rather a robot arm, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think that works really well. I was picturing too, like spaceships with like royal icing as kind of filling in the seams. Oh my god, parts. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> and obviously you can't have a bread ship because it would burn up on reentry. Uh, obviously, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is so fun it's yeah. like, okay so you can't have ice cream ships either but you know um. so um i guess on the subject of like food-based construction and like the seeds and the sourdough starters and stuff i'm also thinking of when you terraform a new planet do you just like basically lay out some of that starter and it like kind of forms itself into structures like like a mini terraforming mm. kind of thing so it's like Sim City where you just like plop a building and it pops right, up yeah, immediately yeah. or pretty much immediately. <laughs> exactly. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have to ask where is the starter? I mean, is the planet without a starter that you're terraforming? Oh, maybe it would be like a moon or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you come yeah. across like a desolate planet or like a, yeah. a Venus situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, you probably just drop it down and then it like incorporates with the planet's terrain in some way. And like you were saying, like cartoon-esque creates a structure that they can then yeah. build structures with. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. think of like Computronium or any of those like fictional um, forms of matter that 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 have like um, like science fictional properties. So like with Computronium, it's supposed to be a form of matter that you can compute with. So like mm-hmm. it's probably like that where the, the the thing is amorphous until you imprint whatever culture you want into it. So maybe like the bearer of the food starter, maybe it's a fragment from their planet that they're terraforming another world with. Mm-hmm. It probably imparts upon that world whatever, you know, fundamental cultural properties come from that world, but then it incorporates with this new world to make something new, which gets the cosmopolitan aspect you were talking about, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Daniel, you were reading um, Octavia Butler's Dawn, right? Yes. Yeah. In some ways, That's it's making me think of stuff. that with like the very yes. organic um, structures and spaceships and the doors yeah, you're right. sort of grow over and like kind of melt away as you walk through them. 
Okay. Yeah, because everything there is all it's all organic and it grows all, yeah. and their yeah. structures are yeah. And I mean they're they plant esque. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they take from like different groups as they come across them. I think I've come up with a way that we can add in the insects to make have them make more sense. Um, as we're talking about using sugar as like a metal replacement mm-hmm. and even a way that it makes terraforming really important, you know, like creating sugar domes that you can create colonies within who works better with sugar than anyone else mm-hmm. insects. So the, they become important because they become artisans. They know how to work oh. with sugar molding it. And they become like essentially artisan, like crafters of, you know, giant domes of sugar, giant buildings made of sugar. And it's because they're able to work with it, with their like digestive juices Mm -hmm. better than traditional mammals might be. So, you know, you have ants or bees or what have you. Actually, honey is not a bad idea at all. If you can make giant honey structures as well, like that type of concept, I think would really work. And this is where the insects come in, where they start to be like, hey, sugar's not that bad. You're just working with it wrong. And also we can help you advance into a into a more technologically important society. We're here. We finally found our purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's through that that they kind of rise up and it's like, oh, well, we weren't cool with you guys, you know, gaining sentience. But now that you're offering us this we can kind of give you a seat at the table, that kind of thing. Yeah, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. As tools, it makes sense, you know, because mm-hmm. they were tools to some extent prior to that yeah. anyway. Yeah, and I imagine that there's some stereotypes that would persist, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, well, you're basically still literal worker bees. You're basically still living tools to some of the more uh, racist animals, I guess. I mean... <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> need to introduce that into speciesist. You know, like, yeah, it's speciesist mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I think that that's kind of an interesting concept that we can work with there. And also, again, it squares the idea of like, okay, this is why insects are more important within the setting. It's because they allow for high high tech travel and mm-hmm. like these incredibly important polymers that are sugar metal, basically. I bet the insects could also operate in hostile environments as well. Yeah. Whereas regular animals can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they're, they're seen as literal drones. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure that we can bring in like, again, trying to keep this lighthearted, but you can also bring in uh, certain elements of, you know, the, the immigrant experience if you want to do something like that as Mm -hmm. well, you know. You can also have rebellions um, that way, humanize the insects. Like I can yeah, see, yeah. and this is getting ahead of ourselves, but I can see situations where you've got the corporate insects, you've got the insects out in the outer rim, the animals who have to interact with the ones in the outer rim, and they're united by class against mm-hmm. the corporate insects and and as well as yes. against the corporate mammals. So then you're, it would actually be a teachable thing, especially for kids, in that it shows you know what divides you doesn't have to necessarily be your your species or quote yes. unquote, your race or whatever sociological factors when they're united by class. So it's Daniel, really Marxist propaganda. I, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm super down with this. Like that's it. exactly what I wanted to talk about is that like, <laughs> yeah, no, the, the main like protagonist society or like the main good guys air quotes should be ones who are like a collective and who are welcoming of mm-hmm. all species, you know, mm-hmm. it's, we should be past this. And yet there are certain worlds that are like still focused on 
you know, mammalian supremacy. It's like, guys, we're beyond that. Can't you see that it's the Zaibatsus and megacorps who are trying? And then, yeah, then we get into straight up like Marxist propaganda. And I'm so down with that. (laughs) Oh, again, sweating. I'm so glad to be back in the land of a thousand flavors. Um, what is this going to be called? Is it like space flavors? Like what? Anyway, I'll think about that later. Um, I think that we've talked about the setting enough. We've co- we've crystallized and coalesced a really great idea. I want us to build a world building anchor so we can roll some dice and also force us to think outside the box. So the first thing we want to be focusing on for the world building anchor is its theme. And the theme that we're going to be focusing on is war. That's not a bad one. Okay. Uh, and then the thing, the theme is war. The thing that we're focusing on is going to be someone really important to the setting that almost no one knows about. So hmm. we've got a very important figure, probably related to war. Um, I, I think the easy thing is to talk about the kind of chonky beef cat that's evil. So I would like to to not talk about that and try and focus on someone else, someone who's really, really important. Their theme is war. I'm thinking they could be a an industrialist who has kind mm-hmm. of pushed things in a certain way. But that's the concept that I would, I, again, I want to make sure we don't talk about the chonky beef cat yeah. in this regard. Someone else, pick it up. First, my first thought was um, an insect actually to kind of give that oh. side more attention. Um, and maybe somebody who who started the crafting of uh, what eventually became space shuttles, like mm-hmm. kind of the originator of the, the sugar crafting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, Could I like be. the fact that it's called sugar craft. I think that's really yeah. cool. Like, yeah. I, want to make sure <laughs> I had that. to go with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I want to make sure that that point doesn't get glossed over because that's a cool name. So You could even down. turn terms like glazing and other words like that and make them mean things in different lanes in this setting as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, glazing um, is so good. That yeah. just sounds like you're like treating something so it can withstand the rigors of space. Exactly right. what right. I was imagining. Yeah. It's like the final touch that you put over yes oh that's so good hell yeah let's go blade of glazing um no i was gonna say i i would also (laughs) like to add to that because i had in mind um the spiritual figure so i would Mm -hmm. love it if the crafter of the original ship maybe they were kind of the insects um no i don't want to think of like a jesus or a prophet Mm -hmm. or something but it's an ideological leader who had a kind of moral message is what i'm thinking Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we go with an arc metaphor instead? So maybe this leader, uh, during the time of war created an arc and said, Hey, yeah. insect brethren, we can escape this. Come mm-hmm. with me and we can like not be persecuted anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a myth then because I bet out there somewhere in the, beyond the solar system, the ones who true actually left are out there. Um, and what they mean yeah. and what they what they intend is unknown. What do you mean by that, Daniel? So, like, I'm, I'm picturing exactly what you said, right? So, at the beginning of the crafting of these ships, I'm assuming, you know, the insects have been given sentience or at least leeway to operate in mammal society, right? Because they're going to build the technology for them. But perhaps this ideological leader was against them being, their, their, their technology and their knowledge being used as tools, Mm-hmm. So that it's it said, you know, I'm going to build the first ship and we're going to escape on this arc. And so some of them went with this person and they left the system. Yeah. And so they're mm-hmm. out there somewhere. 
well, why don't we just have them be the first spacefarers, you know? And like, mm-hmm. maybe they come back and they're like, hey, we're able to do this. We're willing to extend this kind of peace offering to you. Well, I'm, I'm, because I, I think that answers the question of what's the thing that's little known. Because I bet if, if, mm-hmm. the, if, if this spiritual leader left with a contingent of insects, but the technology, the ability to craft ships was still known by the rest of the insects. And so their life continued. So they actually were able to build everything. If this object mm. returns mysteriously, what mm-hmm. does that mean? You know, this yeah. arc. Can it be a ship that returns and it's empty? Yes. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 100%. That's, is- that's super cool. I, I like that idea a lot. And it's like, it just, out of nowhere, it returns and it's like mm. the war has been over for like generations mm. and all of a sudden this ship comes out of nowhere and it's empty and people are kind of freaked out about it. Mm. That yeah. could lead to a lot of really cool stuff as well. Yes. That's yeah. fucking cool. Cause yeah. that's like an omen. It could stir up old fears. Yeah. You know, everybody be racing to get to it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's dope. So it's a legacy of this forgotten religious leader who's created this arc. I suppose uh, what is the purpose of this thing now? I think we have to talk about that a little bit. I don't know. I could see it going in a few different ways. One, which is kind of like the negative corporate way of it being used as like almost like a tourist attraction or mm-hmm. being very like commodified and um, you can get t-shirts with it on it and all that. Um, another would be as a as sort of like a religious uh, center for the insects especially mm-hmm. um so yeah not oh. sure which which way we should take it in i mean leave it open like we can yeah. have this be something that's explored in the rest of our setting <laughs> well well we could there is an alternative though it's like remember the thing that i wanted to explore was this concept that we're on the cusp of falling into you know like late stage capitalism forever is this mm-hmm. ship the key and the way to victory out of that. And can we explore how that might happen? And maybe, and and that's why it's the anchor. It's like the key to the answer Mm -hmm. as to which way this thing is going to go, you know, like which way the society is going to fall essentially. And it it would be nice if the use of it really depends on how that, that goes. Mm -hmm. Like it would be great if it could be used for great evil as well. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Maybe uh, this religious leader found a kind of Eden or like a kind of paradise. Mm -hmm. And so whoever is the first to kind of control this ship and like get it under their control are the ones who determine what they do with it. Do they go to this metaphorical Eden and exploit it? Or do they go there Mm -hmm. to free everyone from the Zaibatsu's control? Could it contain the first starter that has created an Eden in the ship? I love that concept. Roll with it. Yeah, me too. Like, maybe the the planet's starter had been exhausted, and that's why they were planning to leave their their planet, right? That's why they need to build ships. Mm -hmm. And this thing took either a fragment of the starter or whatever, and so now, but it's grown perfectly, like, healthy in the ship. And so mm-hmm. it could be used to like terraform. Maybe they haven't been able to terraform planets yet. Maybe it can be used for that. It's like a planet creator at this point, like that starter that's on their ship. 
oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like a Genesis so, weapon. Yeah, so you've got like the this ship is Genesis, right? Like, so it's able to create perfect terraforms where maybe the starters that the Zaibatsus have control over are imperfect in a way that they're, they're they can't quite get to a full terraform. So it's like there, there's something wrong with the construction mm-hmm. of whatever they make. And this thing is a perfect, beautiful starter. It's the thing that will bring it's, it's a world seed, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. They found a world seed after let's say hundreds of years of them being gone and they're mm-hmm. able to bring magic and life and everything back to the planet because it's been starved from a world seed for so long. Which Star Trek movie did we just recreate? Because there's one where there's a Genesis weapon. Is it the one this. with the whales? I think it's the one with the whales. <laughs> no, we gotta Google it. <laughs> I was actually thinking of, um, this reminds me of, again, Octavia Butler, who I did not think I would be referencing in the series, but um, her yeah. Earth Seed books, uh, Parable of the Sower, where there's basically a teenage girl who has this vision of the only sort of path for humanity forward is if they go to space that's her whole concept and the idea of the earth seed as like spreading humanity kind of across the stars yeah mm-hmm. so so, it was so Khan. i can't believe i forgot that this religious leader <laughs> this religious leader found a chonky beef cat like after hundreds of years maybe oh yeah mm-hmm. they went out mm-hmm. and journeyed to it in the original ark mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. Oh, and that chunky beef cat was an insect. Oh, cat. that's still, I mean, <laughs> I know you're trying to make it cute. It's still horrifying. Like, yeah, it's a bumblebee. Yeah. Okay, that's cute. Uh, okay, that's, that's now I'm on board. Yes, yes. A giant bumblebee. Like, I, I can see a cat in a bumblebee costume. I'm totally yeah. okay with that. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so the conflict is now going to be settled around what exactly? Like, or, or is that just kind of a thing that happens? Like, what are we kind of working with here? Race to the Genesis device, obviously. <laughs> mm. Okay. <sighs> you know what might help us with this? Uh, because we're, we're kind of at a crossroads here. And I'm loving this idea. Uh, guys, I cannot tell you how excited <laughs> I am to be back within the Land of a Thousand Flavors. But I think what we need right now is perhaps a random twist. I think we need just a little bit of chaos. And so let's find out what happens. Yeah. So the twist is we have an unreliable main character slash narrator. So lots of possibilities, lots of opportunities for storytelling. And we're going to finish that next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of World Build with us. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, click on the button and submit a prompt. Uh, I would love to do more sequel series like this. So big thanks to our patron Jay for suggesting this. And if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter over at Let's World Build. If you want to email us the old fashioned way, we're still over at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. If you want to come chat Chonky Beef Cats with us, you can join our Discord with the link in the description. Or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always go to our Patreon. And that reminds me, we have a new patron this month. So a big thank you to Diplo Raptor for being a new patron with us. Truly, truly appreciated. Thank you so much for your patronage. That'll do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much and we're going to get through this together until next week. <laughs>